quite a character. We're going to look into Barnabas today, and I'm glad that we can do that today. I, um, you know, our theme for the month of March is relationships, and I think Barnabas is one of those key relationship people in the New Testament that we can learn a lot about. Relationships are so important, aren't they? And encouraging relationships are more important than anything else. Uh, we had an encouraging time, Penny and I, away for the last week. We spent a weekend in uh, Kent with my mum and dad, and a lot of family. I've never actually been around that many family for a long time with my family. Uh, my niece's daughter's christening, which my father performed in all of his priestly regalia. Lots of nice pictures of that. It was great to have a lot of my side of the family and then my niece's husband's side of the family from the north of England. Uh, I had 40 people back at the house at my parents' place, all packed out. It was a wonderful occasion to see them, meet them, get to know them better, and uh, spend some time with my little great niece. I have a great niece. That is how old I now am. I don't have a niece, I have a great niece. This is a little scary. Um, but that was great. And then we went to visit, as most of you know, Lydia, our daughter, is getting married in August. And so we went to meet her fiance's parents for the first time. Uh, Mum and dad to Bintesh, who's Lydia's uh, fiance. We went down to Bristol and met mum and dad, met a younger brother, uh, Kettle, and two dogs, and uh, got to uh, see where they, where they will live when they're married, because they, there's a house kind of, uh, kind of ready for them. So we went to see that. We had lunch together. And we had a wonderful time getting to know them and their family story and history and where they live. And you know, when you see people where they live, and it, it, you learn so much and you feel so much closer to people. So, and then Penny and I had a two or three days down on the south coast, uh, not far from Pool and that kind of area, just to walk around and listen to birdsong and, um, and that kind of nice thing. So it's been a, a, a real relationship-rich time in many ways for Penny and I the last little while. And relationships are so significant to emotional health, mental health, spiritual health, even perhaps physical health. So we can never, I think as a church, we can never overemphasize relationships. It's our second great principle of our great G-R-E-A-T um, mnemonic, where the G stands for God-focused, but the second, the R, stands for relationship-based. So as a congregation, as a community, we're relationship-based. We're not based on the fact that we're members of a church. That's not, why, that's not what's the basis of why we gather and what we do. And not because we all have the same doctrine as such or something. It's not about that. It's, it's, we, we believe that basis is relationships. What gels us together is our love for one another. Because that's what Jesus said uh, his disciples would be known by. But we can always deepen our relationships. We can always grow in our relationships. And so as I was thinking about our preaching series through Acts, it, it struck me that the next main character we come across at the end of chapter 11 is Barnabas. And Barnabas is someone who is, I think, one of those supreme characters in terms of relationships. There's many things to admire about him, but I thought it'd be good for us to focus a little bit on Barnabas. And in particular, what do we learn about relationships from him that will be useful for us personally? So that's what we're going to do with Barnabas. And rather than focus on uh, one single passage, what we're going to do is we're going to dip into uh, bits and pieces of the life of Barnabas, which we're going to work on as a congregation today. So I've got some work for us all to do today um, in a moment. 
But first of all, a little orientation. So, uh, Barnabas, let's get our heads around this uh, interesting character. So we begin in, in Jerusalem, down there. Okay, that's Jerusalem. And that's where we first find him in Acts chapter 4, which we'll come back to later, but he's there in Acts 4, being very generous, selling possessions and giving to those who, who have need. So he starts down there. And then um, we find him helping to uh, help Saul uh, get um, trusted by the leaders in Jerusalem because Saul was converted up in Damascus, um, further up, uh, up in here, uh, comes down to Jerusalem, but of course, the, since he was the persecutor of Christians, the early church weren't that keen on accepting him, but Barnabas is the one that brings him to the apostles and said, look, this guy's okay, he has heard the word of God. So that's what's happening down in Jerusalem in here. And then he gets sent up to Antioch, up here. There are two Antiochs, but that's the one we're concerned with here. He's sent there. And in Antioch, he does a lot of preaching and teaching. He knows he needs some help. So he goes off to Tarsus, which is here, which is where Saul has ended up. After Saul was in Jerusalem, a bit of a riot kind of going on. So he goes off up to Tarsus. Barnabas here knows that Paul is in Tarsus. So he goes off to Tarsus, gets him, and brings him back to Antioch. And they stay there a very long time, which is the context of Acts 11, which we're going to look at in just a second. After that, um, they both go to, uh, down from Antioch down to Jerusalem again. And then he goes from Jerusalem back up to Antioch again. And from there, he goes over to Cyprus, to Seleucia, uh, Salamis, and Paphos, which are towns in, in Cyprus here, which is where he's from, incidentally. Um, then from there, they head up to Perga and into the interior of what we would call Asia Minor at that time. And he heads off to Pisidian Antioch, to Iconium, and then on to Lystra and Derbe, at, and then back to Italia and Antioch. Then uh, over back to, yeah, back to Antioch, then down the coast to Phoenicia and teaches and preaches in Phoenicia and Samaria on his way back down to Jerusalem, um, where he heads in, where are we there? In chapter 15 for the council in Acts 15. So he ends up back down in, in Jerusalem. And it's uh, from there, um, he heads back to Antioch and then once again to Cyprus where he takes John Mark after the dispute with Paul about the, the, the viability of taking John Mark as a co-missionary. And at that point in Acts 15, he disappears from the narrative. So Acts 4 to Acts 15 is when we have Barnabas in Acts. And he, he, he gets around, don't you think? I mean, you think about that. That's a lot of traveling for anybody, but especially in those days. I mean, no rapid means of transport. He, he got around. He was busy. And uh, from what we can tell from what Paul says about him, he had a job. So a bit like Paul was a tent maker, and most of the time went, uh, went, went doing that, and so did Barnabas. Um, but we don't know what uh, he did. Some people think he wrote the book of uh, Hebrews. No one knows, but it would fit. It would certainly fit the style. Um, we'll have to find out. Well, we'll find out one day when we all get to heaven and we can ask that question. And whatever other questions you've been burning to ask of God, but we can wait on those. So that's what's, that's what's going on. That's our friend Barnabas. Now, what I think would be fun to do and what we're going to do is I've got here... How many of these are there? I've got here... Okay, one, one incident in Barnabas' life, which I'm going to ask us in maps in pairs to do, all right? So I'm going to give you an incident in Barnabas' life in a, in a section from the book of Acts, and I'm going to ask you to look at, think about these three questions and then give a report on the Barnabas you see in this passage. Not the Barnabas big picture of everything, 
but the Barnabas you see in that particular passage I give you, what stands out about his character? What impact did he have on people around him or the kingdom of God or both? And thirdly, what do we learn about healthy Christian relationships? Those three questions. Now, there's a lot we can learn about Barnabas that isn't connected with the relationship specifically, but what I'd like us to do today for this exercise is focus on particularly what you see taught, uh, exemplified, or by, or by implication there about his ability in relationships. What do we learn about that? That's the key question, really. Can we do that? All right. So um, some of the incidents are short, like two verses. Some are a whole chapter. If you get a whole chapter, like someone's going to get Acts 15, um, don't read the whole thing and spend 15 minutes analyzing everything. That's not what we're doing today. Skim it. Look for Barnabas. What's going on? What's going on around him? Why is he there? What's he doing? What does that tell you? So, so do, I'm not saying be superficial. I would never say that in a sermon. Don't be superficial. But on the other hand, understand the purpose of what we're trying to achieve today is get this picture of Barnabas. All right? Okay, so I'm going to hand these out and then pick someone to do it with you and uh, these three questions. So I don't know what to do here. Let me, just, let me just go around. So there's Acts 15. Someone can have Acts 15. Acts 14, maybe. Bill, um, come back to that. Who wants Acts 12? You can have Acts 12. All right. Acts 11, verse 30. You've only got one verse, the two of you. Acts 13. Uh, another section from Acts 13, because there's two bits. Acts 11, another bit from Acts 11. Um, can you give that one to Chantel and Penny over there? Okay, what else we got here? Acts 4. Who needs Acts 4? Acts 4? And Leon, can I give you Acts 11? That other section of Acts 11? Okay, and I'm going to keep hold of this one. All right, so I'm going to give you, how long do you want? 10 minutes? 10 minutes? Be enough? Okay, 10 minutes and then a report from everybody. A brief report on those three questions. Excellent. I think it might be, in the New Testament, one of the most, it might be the most underappreciated New Testament character. When's the last time you heard a sermon on Barnabas? You know, Paul, yeah. Timothy, maybe. Um, Peter, certainly. Maybe even James. But Barnabas, I don't know, it's been a while. Eh? So part of doing this exercise is to pique our own interest and say, you know, why don't we all go away and study a bit more about Barnabas. So, here's what we'll do. Let's go through chronologically through the book of Acts, pick out a few things, and then I'll sum up with some thoughts. So we'll start, who had Acts 4? Who has that? You guys? Uh, you have as well? Did I give you? No, you have Acts 4. So to summarize what's happening in Acts 4, Barnabas sells a field and gives the money to the apostles, and, and it lays it at the apostles' feet for the meeting of needs of the Christian congregation in Jerusalem. What did you notice? Sacrificial. Certainly kind. He wanted to. He wanted to advance the kingdom. Yes. Right. 
Right. I think it's an, I, I think it's very impressive that he was so sacrificial. Land is a big deal. <laughs> His, you know, selling land is a big deal in that culture, like many see it still today. Um, and so it, it's a big deal. I think what it tells us a lot about the relationships, as you say, is that firstly he knows the needs. He's not someone who's on the periphery of church um, life here. He knows there are needs. Secondly, he knows he's not the person to meet the need directly, so he knows what his role is in helping. So he sells what he has to give to the apostles who know how to figure out how to meet those needs. So there's an understanding of his role, in a sense, I suppose, here. Um, and there's compassion that leads him to be very sacrificial. Um, I mean, very significant. So quite a few things here. And I also like the fact that he, um, he participates in what is needed rather than looking to benefit. I mean, here is someone who says, oh, I've got something everybody else needs. I'll contribute to it rather than be given to. So that's Acts 4. Okay, who's got Acts 9 is next, I think. Who has Acts 9? You can have Acts 9. So in Acts 9, what's going on in Acts 9? Saul becomes a Christian. He starts preaching in Damascus, gets in trouble, goes to Jerusalem. People in Jerusalem are like, you must be joking. You're not joining us. You used to kill all our friends. And then Barnabas is the one who uh, takes Paul, brings him to the apostles, and uh, then tells the whole story about how Paul became a Christian, and he gets accepted. Okay, so what do we learn from this? Yeah. Sheep's clothing. Yes, he could have been. It was very brave. Yes. Uh, he was able to see the best in people. It's all the best. Yeah. Um, and he was obviously gifted at intercession. Yes. Um, He's a gifted intermediary. Yeah. Yeah. Negotiator. Yeah, negotiator. Diplomat, maybe. Yeah. 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 He was gluing them together here. Anything else? Uh, the second one? Sure. Um, so he, well, he brought in a really good speaker to meet the needs of the church. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't him that was doing the great speaking, but he figured out, you know, it led to the church being encouraged yeah, yeah. Okay, anything else? Uh, and we thought it's hard for us to grasp what it must have been like for the early church to hear that Saul might have become a Christian and wants to join the church. It's difficult for us to understand how terrifying that must have been and therefore how brave it must have been of Barnabas to not only go and meet Saul, to actually even meet him, but secondly, to risk his own reputation and bringing him into the fellowship and introducing him to people. He must have also had a, a good relationship with the apostles because he's able to speak to the apostles on behalf of Paul. So he's comfortable with, with this chap, Saul, who's so different, and he's comfortable with the apostles, and he's comfortable, it seems, engaging with the poor and needy in some way. So we see it, we're learning a lot about Barnabas here. Okay, that's Acts 9... We're moving on to Acts 11, 22 to 24. Who had that one? Uh, Leon and Osagi and Simon. Okay, so what do you have, chaps? Okay, so here what we have is, let's go to the passage, that first part. Uh, okay, so people in Antioch are becoming Christians. The church in Jerusalem hear about it. They send, say, who should we send to sort out what's going on and check it all? They say Barnabas is the ideal guy. 
So they send Barnabas to Antioch, and he sees that it's all good, and he encourages everybody. Okay, so what do you guys think? Yeah, Osagi. So he comes to a difficult time. So this was after David had died. Yeah, right. lot more people. Yes, he was God-focused rather than, than human-focused, you could say. Great number of people were brought to the Lord. Very effective. Mm. Anything else? Or Leon and Simon, do you have anything to... This is 22 to 24. You've got the next bit. Okay. Sorry, then. Asagi, anything else from, from you guys? Yeah. Stay true to the Lord uh, with all their heart. Um, yeah, trusted. You know, to be, to be delegated to do something brand new. And this had never happened before in the church's life. This is a brand new situation. Who do you trust? You trust Barnabas. Someone who wants to encourage people, who sees God at work when God's at work and God-focused, not human-focused. Super. All right, we're moving on to, must be your bit, is it? 25 to 26? Yeah, so the church in Antioch... Um, Barnabas goes to Tarsus to look for Saul, brings him back to Antioch, and there's a lot of teaching and preaching goes on for a while. So, so in the context of what we've just heard, I think um, that Saul, that uh, Barnabas has got a good friendship, and he goes back, he looks, looks for him. He has good memories of that friendship. A long time together. Yeah, for a whole year. Yeah. Mm. I think the thing we were talking about was very much that they were acting in partnership. You don't see, partnership. You don't see Barnabas was preaching and Saul was helping, or Saul was preaching and Barnabas was helping, so together, very much. Uh, they are together. They were together, I think. Uh, and in terms of the impact, so Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's obviously a massive impact. A new word was invented as a result of their ministry. Yeah. Allegedly by other people, you know. Yeah. But uh, um, obviously the, the positive impact. But I think uh, um, Barnabas showed a lot of wisdom here, getting the right person to, you know, to make that impact. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. The other thing we were talking about was the fact that a lot of acts about Mm-hmm. Yeah, different chapters, in a sense, and that church's history. Earlier on, a lot of people are being brought to the Lord, and now it looks like the emphasis is on maturing the people who've come to the Lord. Different phases. Good point. 
I really like the idea that you've sparked in my mind, Simon, that um, Barnabas and Saul, but their work was so effective, the people around them had to figure out a new word to describe what they were doing, making Christians. Oh, that, you know you're having an impact when people are making up words to describe what you're doing. That, that's quite interesting. Excellent. Okay, so that's that passage. Then we're on to verse 30 of the same chapter. Who had that? Is that you guys? So in chapter 30, there, there's a prediction of a famine. And so the disciples in Antioch get some money together and send it to Jerusalem with um, Barnabas and Saul. They're delegated. So what do we learn from this? So we began, or we first saw that going forward, there was great partnership between Barnabas and Saul. Partnership, yes. Uh, and then the character of Barnabas um, standing out was his trustworthiness. Mm. Uh, being kind to the elders and willing to serve. Uh, the impact that had on the church was that he showed love, accepting the gifts to Jerusalem without thinking, you know, it's too heavy or I can't take home, mm, mm. and being a servant. So mm. willing to serve in that way, taking the gifts there. Yes, and serving. The third part uh, was that um, we learned about the church becoming healthy uh, because uh, it looks after the needs of others. Uh, they showed love. Uh, there was sharing. Mm. Selflessness. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, one of the things to bear in mind is the courage it took to do this, given that you're transporting a large sum of money in a not very secure environment. And there's, there's danger to themselves as well as to their, if you like, their cargo. So there's some courage here shown out of compassion for people who are needier than they are, and the church in Antioch is at least at that time. Um, good. All right. We're moving on from chapter 11 to chapter 12, right? Who's got 12? Uh, did anybody have that one? Chapter 12, verses 25 to 13, verse 3. It might say chapter 13, actually. Is that you guys as well? So here at the end of chapter 12, we have the word spreading. At the beginning of chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas has finished their mission. They go... They return from Jerusalem, having been down there to, to deliver the money. They go back to Antioch, and there are a lot of preachers and teachers there, and they're worshipping and fasting, and the Holy Spirit says, set Barnabas and Saul apart from me to be sent off, and so they, they do that. They send them off. So what do we see from, from this? Yeah, I mean, when you hear about Barnabas, his character is very understated. Mm. And, um, understated, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Partnership was very important. And, yes. Uh, and in that regard, um, you know, together we got very far. Sure. very consistent that he has a partnership, even though the partnership it varies, doesn't it? Because at this stage, still it's Barnabas and Saul. Shortly, it's going to switch to being Paul and Barnabas. And it looks like leadership roles shift. But the partnership is there, although not forever, but we'll come on to that. Thank you for that. As Acts 13, what about uh, the, the second part of Acts 13, verses 4 to 12? Who had that? Is that you guys? So what's happening here? Cyprus. They go to Cyprus. They travel. They preach. They heal. A lot of good things are happening. Um, yes. What do we learn from what's going on in, on Cyprus? As about the character of Barnabas, um, he was faithful. Mm. Uh, and he was being sent, and okay, I'll go. That happens a lot to him. Yes. Yeah, he gets sent and he just goes. Mm. Uh, faithful is also uh, full of faith and adventurous, maybe. Mm. Uh, New territory. Yes. Yes. Then um, he must have been well respected because the proconsul, who was the most important man on the island, mm. was an intelligent man, he says, mm. and he summoned him. So mm. uh, you can imagine that an intelligent leader like that yes. doesn't just invite anybody to come and explain things. Yes. So he must have been probably quite. A bright chap, yes. Yeah. And maybe a good teacher, as we see also in Antioch. Mm-hmm. Good teacher. Well reasoned. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, you, you, you see the spirit mentioned around him quite a bit. Yeah. Mm. And I think the changing of roles in his character, sometimes being a helper, sometimes be a leader, sometimes be the team worker, you know, all mm. of that and being comfortable with all of that. Different roles. Yeah. Been mentioned. Um, the impact, I think, because of his boldness, you know, the pro council, after he saw what happened, um, became a believer. Mm. So, um, mm. That's quite profound. Um, yes. He, he was a good teacher. He, he, people were amazed. The pro, pro council was amazed. So I think he really had, left uh, an impact on people as he went along. You know, just part of who he was. Um, yes. Yeah. And uh, the healthy Christian relationships. <coughs> uh, there's a. I think the companionship, but also the partnership in the gospel. 
They did. Together. We need partnerships too. We do. Super. Um, I'll tell you what, we'll move on and maybe if we can speed up slightly, if that's all right with the last few of you. Sorry about that. But um, where are we? So we're at the beginning of chapter 13. Oh, the next part of chapter 13, verses 13 to 52, a longer bit. Who has that? So this is Pisidian Antioch, and there's an awful lot of preaching going on, basically. Um, but uh, yeah, what do we see from... Think it's a good guy. And, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first part of it, Paul definitely says, if you take an isolation, Paul is leading. Yeah, yeah. Paul is right. leading. He's the one who's doing the speaking, etc. Yes. Um, and it begins to filter in that... Uh, yeah, Barnabas is, uh, is fine with that. He's fine with Paul doing mm. that. Mm. But he's got his convictions, he's very loyal with Paul, and, but you do feel that Paul's the one who's leading it and he's being like a second yeah. man to it. Yes. Um, but you see more and more towards, as you go through that, the boldness of uh, Barnabas coming out. Um, the impact it had on people, most of the biggest impact we saw was. Um, Later on in the passage, around the verse um, uh, 6, it's Paul and Barnabas both are preaching um, mm. Jews very boldly. Boldly, so they, yes. They seem to be equals in many ways. They seem to yeah. they appear to be treating themselves as equals. Yes. Uh, Paul's got the, like, maybe the boy of speech, speech, we don't know. Maybe. Mm. Uh, but he's having the, the impact that Barnabas has that same impact. And they seem to have opened the door so true and so difficult I think because with human nature for that to shift and, and still remain healthy thank you very much uh, we've got just a couple left haven't we Acts 14 the whole chapter who had that okay well good luck and um, as brief as you can be but Acts 14 lots of preaching I said most of what I was going to say but obviously they're very faithful with each other and faithful to their belief because they're healing people. They're a lot of healings, and, uh, yes. Uh, and it's not just one of them because they both mm. talked in the beginning of the chapter, they both talked in the, in the synagogue. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just Paul that was talking. No, nope. they, they both preached. So agreeing with him, mm. what he was saying about they were almost classed as equal. Mm. So and they, 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 he was very faithful to Paul, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know, to heal people, you have to have a very strong belief. Mm. So it sounds like they were both doing it. Mm -hmm. doing this. Yeah, strong faith. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, they obviously had a very strong impact on the people. Mm -hmm. Half of the people that were there started to believe. So they're establishing churches in all these different places they go. Mm. Um, Big impact. Anything else to add, Dan? Not really. Not what's already been said. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> by hitting the nail on the head, really, in terms of he was very comfortable in whatever role. It, it felt like, for me, it feels like he, whatever God wanted him to be, he'd be. Hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. I used to be bold, God will be bold. If I need to support someone, I'll support. If I've got travel, I'll support. So it wasn't necessarily just about the friendships. He saw God first, and then the people who he's working with mm. to meet God's right. needs. Not my God's needs, but well, to basically carry out God's plan. The, the kingdom's needs, you could say. or, or the, yeah. the, the lost, whatever it took, whoever I've got to work with, whoever I've got to reconcile with, whoever I've got to be bold, mm. whoever I've got to disagree with, whatever. It, just, it was about God for him. His faith rose to the challenge of these different situations. Yeah. And you learn mm. from people, I think, along mm. the way, but he saw it as God. God was active, he was following. Yeah. Super. We'll finish with Acts 15. Is that you guys? All right. Again, the whole chapter. But, uh, there we go. So the council in Jerusalem, basically. Okay, so in this section, I think what we said about what stands out about the character of Barnabas is that. Um, our section is the bit where there's the argument about whether the Gentiles should be circumcised or not. Mm -hmm. um, so he was very, the, the way that he then argued back, it said that, you know, Paul and him argued um, sharply back with the people who were saying this. Mm -hmm. he, he was very confident of his salvation and the salvation of others mm. and what that meant for others. Um, so yes, yeah, so I suppose that, that struck us. He was just super confident in that, which is why he could argue back. But then also that he was humble enough to understand the importance of getting clarity on this issue as people <coughs> move forward. And so then he was humble enough to go, not just to say, look, I know, I'm right, but to go to the elders and, mm. um, and, and yeah. the apostles and, and establish... Um, that and then to be the mm. messenger to then take that back to the, the Antioch church, etc. Um, the impact on people. Well, the Gentiles didn't have to be circumcised. So I would say that was quite a big impact, <laughs> and many people were grateful. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> what do we learn about healthy Christian relationships? Well, he he clearly forgave. And he had a lot of time, you know, he uh, gave Paul and yes. he was the spokesperson and, and the kind of the fan, Paul's yes. fan and fighter and whatever. But he also forgave Mark mm. um, for the, you know, later in, at the end of that chapter. Mm -hmm. um, so strongly that, you know, he did obviously enter into his disagreement then with Paul. But what impressed me was that despite disagreements and, and things like that obviously went on, that that never stopped him going about God's work. Mm. It didn't make him bitter and start to get critical about the church or anything like that. It didn't stop him going about God's work. Mm. So, um, yeah. So, because when I looked at the healthy Christian relationships, I guess I was thinking about peer-to-peer, -peer, but also 
his relationship with God was so healthy that mm. nothing held him back from. Yes. Yes, he, he, was, he found the strength to continue to, to serve. Yeah. Even going through some quite challenging times, personally. Mm. Right? He ends up with a, with a disagreement with Paul, which must have been a very painful thing after all that they had been through together. And how he stood up for him in the beginning. Right. Of that, so yeah. But, it, you know, he disappears from the narrative, but we know that his work isn't done. Mm. All right. And let me wrap up. Sorry, we're a bit beyond normal time. But let me wrap up by uh, uh, having us look at... Um, at uh, Colossians chapter 4. Let's finish off here. And then I'll just leave us with a couple of questions to ponder. But let's have a look here in Colossians chapter 4, which is Paul writing. And in verse 10, so you remember at the end of chapter 15, there's a big disagreement between Paul and Barnabas over John Mark, who had uh, abandoned them, and Paul won't take him. Barnabas takes him off to Cyprus and then disappears. Well, this is written 12 to 14 years later. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. So they were related. Wow. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Mm. So we see the disagreement. Paul was so unwilling to take John Mark that he and Barnabas split over it back in Acts 15. But 12, 14 years later, it seems that Barnabas has worked his magic on John Mark. Something has, has changed in John Mark, and not only in him, to be presumably reliable enough for someone like the Apostle Paul to commend, but also the relationship between John Mark and the Apostle Paul has been mended, or else he wouldn't write something like this. And so it tells us something about that. Barnabas was quietly working behind the scenes to help people, to be reconciled, to be useful still for God, not giving up. Uh, we see him very prominently earlier in Acts. We see him behind the scenes maybe later, you could say, in Acts. Barnabas was a glue, was one of his things. He was a glue, gluing people together, matching up needs with resources, whether it was material resources or Saul as a preacher, teacher, as a resource for the, the kingdom of Y, but also perhaps a church like Antioch. Uh, he brought people together. He held people together. He had his own convictions. He was willing to disagree even with Saul, and, or Paul, an apostle, uh, but he didn't develop a bitterness. I think that's right, Becky. He didn't develop a bitterness. He saw interpersonal conflict, and he saw, if you like, political interchurch conflict between Gentile and Jewish Christians, but was actively involved in, in uh, helping to moderate that and create a better situation uh, and a solution, if possible, and did not get uh, um, cynical about the whole thing. Somehow he retained a purity of faith. As you may, someone mentioned, the Holy Spirit is, is mentioned quite a lot around uh, Barnabas here. So, just to finish off, I, I think Barnabas deserves more focus than we might give him in the past. Perhaps it's time for some of us to just do a little Bible study, look more detail at some of those passages, and then think about two questions, really. Who could you be a Barnabas to? And who is your Barnabas? I think we all need a son of encouragement, as he's nicknamed. Joseph is his name. He's given the nickname Barnabas, the son of encouragement. We all need a Barnabas from time to time. We need someone to come alongside, to say it's going to be all right, or to help us resolve something. We need a Barnabas, but I think we're all called in some ways to be a Barnabas, someone who helps others in that encouragement way. There's lots here we can learn from Barnabas. Hope this is helpful. Thank you very much. God bless.